Amen. Ladies, thank you. Uh, the husbands, sons, whoever you might be, uh, you need to take them somewhere for lunch and not McDonald's, okay? All right. If you have a Bible this morning, turn with me uh, to the book of Acts, and let's go to chapter 20 or chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Uh, we want to come to the conclusion of the chapter. Philip is leading a revival in Samaria. And so this morning we see another aspect of Philip's ministry and the teaching this morning. Philip leads the Ethiopian uh, to Christ. And so we shared last week in Acts chapter 8, persecution has begun in the early church. Uh, Stephen, uh, the first deacon of the church, has been martyred. He was stoned to death for his faith in Christ. Because of the persecution, the majority of the church at this time uh, scattered. It's called the, uh, the diaspora. They scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Uh, this was prophesied in the book of Acts chapter 1 by Jesus. Jesus promised that after his death, resurrection, we know that there was a post-40-day resurrection on, on earth. Then the ascension uh, into heaven, and Jesus left this promise. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall receive power. The word is dunamis, it's dynamic power. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you, uh, the AP experience, and you, the church, shall be witnesses uh, to me in Jerusalem, uh, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so we see uh, the beautiful prophecy, it's come to pass, and yet it's not complete, because the gospel is still getting out there. But the scattering of the early church has taken them uh, to Samaria. Uh, Philip is an evangelist. We find him in the book of Acts in chapter 6 also, and he's another deacon right along with Stephen. And uh, Philip is unique. God is using him to minister uh, there in Samaria. We know that there was a revival in Samaria. We know that many were coming to saving grace. And we concluded last week, uh, this man by the name of Simon, his name is Simon the Sorcerer, Simon Magus, and he comes to saving grace. And it just baffled everybody because this man had tormented so many people with his spells and with his incantations. And uh, he was very much known. And so Peter and John come uh, to Samaria. Uh, they come from the church in Jerusalem. And they come to see uh, this revival. It's not, it's, they're only about 40 miles uh, away from Jerusalem. But when they came to the, the city, they saw the people that were saved, but they saw that they were lacking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so they began to lay hands on people. And that's what we spoke of last week. Now, Simon Magus sees this, and because he likes the magical arts, his background is sorcery, and he sees the phenomena of those filled with the Spirit. Now, I'm sure there were those that were uh, speaking in tongues. Uh, there were those that were uh, prophesying, those that were preaching. And I mean, they had this boldness, the word dunamis. And so he turns to Peter and he says, I want to purchase 
this baptism of the Holy Spirit, that I uh, may approach other people. And Peter rebuked him. Peter said, your money perish with you. You see, the Holy Spirit is a free gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift that Jesus said would come. He says, I am going to leave you, but I will not leave you as orphans. I will send the comforter. Uh, the word comforter in the Greek is the word parakletos, and it means the word para means to come alongside. And if you've come to saving grace, the Holy Spirit convicts you. He convicted me 30 plus years ago. Uh, the conviction was so great. And eventually, I finally raised my hand. I finally walked up, as they say, the sawdust prayer. And, and, and I gave my life to Jesus, and I've never been the same since. And some of you can testify to that. And so here's this Simon Magus. There's that question that everybody asks. Uh, did he come to saving grace? And the answer is, we don't know. But in his background... He thinks, I can buy the Holy Spirit. It's a free gift. All we have to do is ask. And so now here's Stephen already martyred. And now we see Philip kind of taking the realm uh, of the deaconship. And here's the, the simple deacons when they were supposed to be the servants. They were supposed to be the ones cleaning tables. Uh, they were not supposed to be the teachers. They were not supposed to be the evangelists. That was the work of the pastors. That was the work of the elders. But yet God had filled Philip. And Philip went out. And Philip could not understand anything about, you can't do this. They didn't tell him that. But he went out and ministered. And so a revival has taken place. But in the midst of the revival, I want you to see this. And this is where we come in. We have to be obedient uh, to the Holy Spirit. And, and I want you to really understand this. Even sometimes as a believer, when the Spirit of God is telling you to do something, and it's obviously aligning with Scripture, it's aligning with uh, the Word of God, and you might question, are you sure, Lord? I've done that many times. And so here's Philip in the midst of a revival. Why should I leave, Lord? He doesn't say that. He's obedient to the call, and he goes. And he's just going out to the desert. He really doesn't know where to go. And there's a man from Ethiopia. And now Philip sees the reason. Philip sees the person. And the Ethiopian uh, is reading the scrolls. They didn't have the Bibles. They had a scroll. And he had the scroll of Isaiah. And he's reading the passages of Isaiah pertaining to the Messiah. And when the Spirit of the Lord spoke to Philip again, go up next to the chariot and speak to him. And he says, what are you reading? And he tells him. And then he says, but I don't understand it. That's what Philip was there for. I found through the years when I listened to the voice of God, when I listened uh, to the Holy Spirit, and it's not always an audible voice. That would probably freak me out. It would probably freak you out. Imagine hearing a voice from heaven, Bob, you know, that's not my wife's voice. What are you saying to me? But the Spirit of God speaks to your heart. The Spirit of God gently probes you. You go by a situation. You might see somebody broken down their vehicle, the hood's up, and the Spirit of God says, hey, why don't you turn around? And why don't you go minister to that person? 
And if anything, you have a couple of bottles of water, maybe you can offer them uh, some thirst, you know, because they're, they're sitting there. And, and so little issues like that, I've, I've done it for years. And, and it's beautiful when it's over. Thank you, Lord, that you used me. That's the situation here. And so let's begin in Acts chapter 8. Look at verse 26 with me. And I like what the caption in my Bible says. Uh, Christ is preached in, to an Ethiopian now. And so he begins in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem uh, to Gaza. This is the desert. And so he's thriving in Samaria, and now head out towards the desert. Philip is a man, listen to me, a man of obedience, a man of trust, a man of faith. And God said, go, and he went. Now I want you to write this scripture down, Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. A lot of times I don't understand what God's doing in my life. A lot of times you don't understand what God's doing in your life. In Isaiah, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, saith the Lord. And so he leads us. And so here's Philip in the midst of revival. I mean, uh, in all reality, Lord, I need to stay here. I need to preach more. Not everybody saved, Lord. But he's obedient for one man. Look at verse 27 now. And so he arose, this is Philip, and he went. Behold, a man from Ethiopia, a eunuch. And so it describes this man. He, he's a man of stature. He has power. He has authority. Notice that it says great authority under Candace. Candace was considered the queen of Ethiopia at the time. Now, the word Candace is a title. And it says who had charge of all her treasury. And so this man had position. This man had clout, if you may. But he had come to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. Notice as it says, and had come down to Jerusalem uh, to worship. And so now we get the reason. The reason is the Ethiopian and the angel of the Lord, the messenger of God, simply said, go. And, and through the years, as I shared earlier, I have prayed. Lord, that I may serve and obey you. Now, trust me, uh, those words are easier said than done. Because by nature, Bob wants to do it his way. By nature, you want to do it your way. And we need to listen to the voice of God. And sometimes the voice of God, uh, as he's ministering to my heart, it doesn't make sense. Lord, are you sure? There's a work here in Samaria. There's revival in Samaria. People are coming to saving grace. Uh, people are being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And now you want me to get up and leave? And Philip obeys. Philip obeys. Now, I have to share this with you. I desire to obey God. I hope and pray you desire uh, to obey God. In obedience and trust, respect, and all that characteristic that goes with being a Christian, it doesn't come overnight. We have to grow in Christ. And the more we read, the more we study, the more we come to church, uh, the more the Spirit of God is going to speak to you. Uh, the more 
the Spirit of God is going to lead you and guide you into all truth. And, and so this morning, as an individual, Lord, am I listening uh, to your Spirit? Lord, am I seeking you like this Ethiopian that's seeking, asking, knocking at your chamber door? And you see his ply or his, his cry in his heart and you send a man by the name of Philip. Now, Ethiopia is very interesting. When you go to Israel today, uh, you see a lot of black young people and they are Ethiopians. God had poured out his spirit there and they come. Uh, they're all part of the military. It's beautiful to see. And they speak perfect Hebrew. And it's just, and I think of these passages. Now, when we study the queen of Ethiopia, uh, we go back to the time of Solomon. And that was the queen of Sheba. And she was from Ethiopia. I want you to take notes and study 1 Kings chapter 10, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 9. And so, again, the word Candace here is like the title of one that's a pharaoh or a Caesar. And they go back, the Ethiopian queens go back to the uh, 300 B.C. before Christ to 300 A.D. And so there's a principle here, and God knew exactly what he was doing, and the work at Samaria continued. In verse 28 now, he was returning, speaking about the Ethiopian, and he was sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. And so, obviously, this is a Jewish believer in Ethiopia. And he was returning back uh, to his home after coming uh, to Jerusalem. What did he go to Jerusalem for? It was probably a feast day. Or he had the time to go now. He was able to get away from the queen. He had maybe maybe some vacation time. I don't know. But he goes to Jerusalem. And the purpose was to worship the Lord. The purpose was to worship the Lord. Now I have to ask a question because of what he's reading. And we're going to get to it in just a little bit. Did he know about the Messiah? Did he know about Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Uh, did he sense Messiah was already here, or did he know? Notice, he is reading Isaiah, coincidental or God divine? Or is it God's plan, as I shared? In John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman was searching. Jesus went to her. In Acts chapter 9, next week we're going to begin. Uh, Saul of Tarsus is searching. And he eventually comes to saving grace. Here in Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian is searching. What did they have in common? They were all searching for the spiritual answers. God sees the heart. Uh, listen to what Pastor Chuck in his short commentary. He says, God will always meet the needs of a searching heart. He saw my heart years ago. He saw your heart years ago. Or this morning, if you haven't come to Saving Grace, God sees your heart. You're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. Well, Pastor Bob, I came today because it's Mother's Day. Praise God. But God has you here to hear the Word of God. When I was searching, when I was seeking, when I was knocking on God's chamber door, the Holy Spirit would just not leave me alone. 
And it took three years, as I've shared many times with you. But I finally responded, and I, I, I lifted up my hands, and that's the whole purpose. I surrender. I'm tired of running. And I thank God that I made that decision. Now, he will put the Spirit of God there. He will put the conviction. But ultimately, I have a free will. I must choose or I must reject. And here's the Ethiopian. He's asking some questions. He's a, an Ethiopian that believes in, in, not the Messiah at the time, but he believes in God. So he comes to the temple. But the Lord has something else for him. It's called Christ. It's called the Messiah. Had he heard? Either way, let's continue. Look at verse 29 now. Then the Holy Spirit again said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. Back in, in verse 26, in the midst of revival in Samaria, God said to Philip, go. That was the first time. Here's the second time in verse 29. God, the Holy Spirit says again, go. And so I remember years ago in a teaching, and the pastor says, what part of go don't you understand? And then he says, you want to hear the interpretation of the word go in the Greek? It means go. And so God, in his mercy, tells us exactly what to do if we're listening to the voice of God. Look at verse 30 now. And so Philip ran to him. He didn't just walk over kind of, you know, asking, Lord, are you sure? I get up to this Ethiopian, and he's probably going to run havoc on me. No. He obeyed the voice of God. Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he says to him, now again, God prompts him to ask this question. Do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading? And I want you to remember, in your own mind, your own heart, those of you that have been Christians for a while, back in the day, before Christ, or as we call them, our B.C. days, Something was happening because I was searching. Maybe you were searching. I was reading the book of Revelation at the time, and I was using a living translation, and still there were parts I did not understand. And so I had a young man at my workplace that was discipling me, and I would go to him daily, and I would ask him questions. And praise God, he was always willing to answer. He was always willing to meet with me at lunchtime and, and such. And so I know now that the Holy Spirit was moving strongly on my own heart. Because that's where uh, the issues of man are. Everything that we are, everything that we say, everything that we do comes from the heart. And here the Ethiopian man was reading the prophet Isaiah. Uh, Philip is God sent. And notice the Holy Spirit tells Philip, ask him if he understands what he is reading in Isaiah. With that note, please never be afraid uh, to ask questions. I'm there after the service. Pastor Jay's there after the service. We have Pastor Cliff up here. But we're not going to know the answers to what's bothering your mind or your heart unless you ask. And I'll be very honest with people. They'll ask something and I'll say, you know, I really don't know the answer on that one. 
but let me get back to you. And I will, because they want to know. As I remember, as I recall, I wanted to know. And so here's this man reading uh, the scroll of Isaiah, and he says, I need to understand this. Notice in verse 31, and he said, how can I, this is the Ethiopian, how can I understand basically, unless someone guides me? And I like the word guide there. And he asked Philip to come up and to sit with him. I want you to see how hungry the Ethiopian was. And I'm talking about spiritual hunger for biblical understanding. How can I know the scriptures in Isaiah unless someone comes and guides me? The word to guide, we understand, uh, explains to me or gives me proper instruction. But listen to the translation in the Greek. The word uh, to guide in the Greek literally means to teach. And that's what we do here at Calvary Chapel. God has called me uh, to be the pastor teacher. I love to teach God's word. And here at Calvary Chapel, if you've been here long enough, we teach book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And the whole purpose there is that you will not miss a passage. And you will not miss the doctrines of the church. Very important to me. Now, I've done topical studies. And I don't mind topical studies. There's a time and a place. But if you've been coming here, we began in the Gospel of John. We went right through it. And we're going to continue in the New Testament. We're in the book of Acts. We'll eventually get to the book of Romans. Now, I've done this several times already. And so we continue to glean. We continue to, uh, to take uh, from the Word of God. It's very important for me uh, to teach the scriptures, and it should be important for you uh, to receive the word of God. And so I want you to turn to a passage with me, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. 1 Peter chapter 3, so that you understand, and so that you can mark it in your Bible if you like to mark. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, it's towards uh, uh, the end of the epistle. Peter is teaching or the end of the New Testament there, Peter is teaching the suffering uh, scattered church. Uh, there were uh, those that were uh, attacking the church at the time, just like we're reading here about the time of Philip, the time of Stephen. But here was the continued scattering. And so the church has gone to various places. But listen to what Peter says to them. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Set him apart, the word sanctification. Set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready uh, to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Philip was doing this exactly, listen, to the Ethiopian. When I would ask my friend Steve, he would give me an answer. And if he did not have the answer, he says, Bob, I will have it for you tomorrow. And there's going to be times when you're going to come across a passage and you say, you know, I really don't know what it says. And yet the Spirit of God will speak to you about that passage later. 
I have found that to be true. Sometimes a year later, sometimes two years later, and all of a sudden, the light bulb goes on and you say, oh, that's what it means. And so at the time, maybe God didn't want you to understand. But now here's this Ethiopian. He's hungry for the word of God. One more passage. Uh, go back with me to the Gospel of John in chapter 14, verse 26. Jesus now is teaching on the work of the Holy Spirit in the church. And if you've been here, there are three prepositions that explain the work of the Holy Spirit. Para, P-A-R, he comes alongside. He comes alongside to convict me. And then he still comes alongside after to teach me. But after the conviction, the Holy Spirit comes in. That's the second preposition. It's called the E-N, the in experience. He comes into my heart. But then I desire the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I find it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that is called the AP experience. But listen to one of the works of the Holy Spirit in my life and in your life. In John 14, 26, but the helper, and the word is parakletos, of the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, listen to the words here, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. The word to teach here is a little bit different because the Greek is so powerful, so so much advanced in our language. Uh, the word is didasko, and it means to learn. The Holy Spirit comes to teach me that I may learn. The Holy Spirit comes to teach you that you might become, listen to the word, it's probably poor grammar, but to be a learner of Christ. To be a learner of Christ. Listen, to be a student of Christ. To be a, a follower of Christ. Uh, you see, the word Christian means Christ-likeness. I want to be more like Jesus. You want to be more like Jesus. I want to follow his teachings. I want to do what the word of God has to say. And there are so many people out there. I meet them constantly. Oh, Pastor Bob, that was Old Testament. We're in the New Testament. And then I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, do you have anything against the New Testament? Well, I don't like Paul. He's a chauvinist. He comes against the women. Uh, he comes against homosexuality. He comes against uh, the lesbians. And I says, that's the word of God. Why do you have a problem with God's word? And so people will argue. Well, I just study the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Great. Do we obey what are said and shared and taught? In the gospel. You see, people are always, and then I have those that have come up to me. Pastor Bob, uh, I heard there's a, another letter to the church at Corinth. There were three letters. Well, we only have two. I don't know what happened to the other one, if there was another one. But here's the bottom line they want that third letter because maybe there's some loopholes in there. The third letter might say something different. Uh, Paul might have been in a better mood and say, ah, go ahead and get drunk. Don't worry about it. Yeah, if you love your neighbor, fornication's okay. It's your body. Do what you want. That's what they're looking for, church. 
But what does the word of God have to say? And so what I'm trying to share here is Philip is sent by God to this Ethiopian because the Ethiopian is actually asking from the heart. He's searching. Reality has hit this man. Maybe he's heard about the Messiah, and so he wants to know. And so listen to the passages that he's reading now from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. It's written down here in the book of Acts chapter 8, verses 32 and 33. The place in scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Who's he speaking about? The Messiah. Who's the Messiah? Uh, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In verse 33, in his humility or in his humiliation, his justice was taken away. Where? At the cross. And he says, who will uh, declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And it was. And then Jesus rose again from the dead. And he says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will send another comforter. And that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come uh, to give us instruction. The Holy Spirit has come uh, to teach us. Now, the best way I can explain it to you, I hope and pray that you read your word. I hope and pray you don't just wait for Sunday morning and Wednesday night. But that you have a time as you read the word, as I read the word. And you know if you've read the word, you're reading. And as they say, that word seems to leap out. It seems to come off the page and hit me upside the head. And for years I go, wow, this is for my wife, Mary. (laughs) And one day the spirit of the Lord says, no, Bob. It's for you. Oh, but Mary needs this. Yes, she does. But right now I'm dealing with you. Okay, Lord. Uh, The word of God is going to minister to you. He's going to break down. The spirit of God is going to break down pride, selfishness, anger, strife, jealousy. The list goes on. Lying. One of my pet peeves was cursing. I cursed like crazy. God, take it away. He did. He did. He will. All we have to do is ask. I've often shared, if you're sincere with God, he will be sincere with you. And so listen to the voice of God. One more scripture. Uh, Turn with me to John chapter 5, verse 39. John chapter 5, the gospel, verse 39 and 40. And so Jesus is his own witness that he is the Messiah. And and basically, this is what the Ethiopian was asking. This is what the Ethiopian is searching. And so in John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus said, and he's talking to the religious sect, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is these that bear witness of me. Red letter edition, Jesus is preaching, ministering. Uh, It'll change your life. But you have to put it to application. In verse 40, and you are unwilling to come to me. This was the the Jewish religious leader, that you may have life. And so I understood a lot of the scriptures. 
I read a lot of the scriptures. You can boast in your heart, well, I know that passage. Have you applied it to your life? Have you applied it to your life? I love when somebody else teaches and I'm able to take in uh, the teaching and I've left for the weekend or something of that nature. I come back, I get the CD and it ministers to me. Have I heard some of the passages before? Yeah. But God is using at this time, this gentleman that he's come to share and it ministers to my heart. And so the scriptures declared who Jesus was, who Jesus still is, the Messiah. Now, we're going to see the Ethiopian, he's going to take heed to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Uh, just hang on to this one, write it down, let me read it to you. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7, Hebrews 10, 7, Jesus is teaching concerning the testimony of the Messiah through the Pentateuch. The five books of Moses. In verse 7, he says, Then I said, Behold, I have come uh, in the, the roll or the scroll of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. It was written in the five books of Moses, the Messiah, and what to do. And so we have to respond. The religious sect should have known this. That Jesus is the Messiah. And so let's go back to our text now and look at verse 34. It says, so the eunuch uh, answered Philip and he said to him, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this is? Of himself or of some other man? I like that. In verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at, the, uh, at this scripture and he preached Jesus to him. He preached Jesus Christ from the Old Testament passages. Now, we know this already. Scholars have done the math for us. Scholars have looked at the passages of Scripture. I have looked at them. There's over 300 Scriptures that speak of the first advent of Christ, His first coming, His birth, His life, His ministry. 300. What are the odds on that? What are the math figures on that? It's been done. It's totally radical. I don't understand that far into math. But it's been done. Now let me give you just a few real quick. Write them down. He preached Jesus Christ from the other Old Testament passages. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, provision of a Messiah had to have been made when they broke the law. In Genesis 49, 2, uh, the Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, a Messiah would be like the prophet Moses. In Psalm 2, Messiah would be the Son of God. In Psalm 16, Messiah will rise from the dead. In Psalm 22, it's called the suffering Messiah, the suffering Savior. But listen to these passages. In Psalm 118, verse 22, it's a Messianic psalm. It's so beautiful. And it says, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This stone that was rejected is Christ, the rock. The Jews had rejected Messiah. 
the chief cornerstone, as well as many of the Gentiles. In Psalm 118, verse 25, uh, the cry that the people would make. And it says in verse 25, save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, save now. The word is Hosanna. Hosanna in the son of David, uh, save now. Remember the triumphal entry? As you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and especially in Luke, and we see the reference of Zechariah 9.9, that exact day, according to Sir Robert Anderson, the coming prince, he labels it as April the 6th, 32 AD, that Jesus came, he sat in a cult, and he rode that cult in. And they hailed him, remember? They took their coats off. They took palm branches. Uh, they laid them before him. Hosanna, Hosanna, son of David, is saved now. Less than a week later, the same crowd, they cried, crucify him, crucify him. Give us Barabbas, but crucify him. Now, the Ethiopian, he's hearing this. The Ethiopian is listening to God. God has sent Philip. Philip has faith, obedient, trust. He obeys the Lord. He obeys God's word. Would have been easier to stay in Samaria. And little did he know, one man. One man. Look at verse 36. Let's go back to our text now. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Well, the eunuch first has to come to saving grace. Because water baptism is not going to save you. Now, I believe water baptism follows your salvation. And if you choose not to be water baptized... You're still saved if you made a commitment from your heart. And water baptism is reckoning the old man dead, the old woman dead. The, the old Bob goes into the water and the new Bob comes out. The new woman goes into the water, the new woman comes out. And it's full immersion. And we're supposed to follow the footsteps. Uh, Jesus, remember, he went to John the Baptist. And he was in line to get water baptized. John said... It is I that needs to be baptized by you. But Jesus says, you must do this. He had to fulfill the scriptures. He had to get ready uh, for his public ministry. And we know that Jesus went into the water straightway, the scripture says, and straightway he came out. Interesting, Jesus is not an infant. He's 30 years old. Jesus is not sprinkled. He submerged. I told you the story when we came out of Catholicism, very difficult in my family, and my grandmother ran the show. And when she heard that, you know, uh, that we had gone to Protestantism uh, in Spanish, she says, you've changed jackets. And I didn't understand what she was saying. I go, Grandma, I, come, I came to Saving Grace. Well, about six months after that, Mary and I and the rest of the family uh, we wanted to be water baptized. And so we're going to take on water baptism. And grandma says, mm, I heard you're going to be water baptized. I go, yes. And she says, you know, you were baptized as a baby. I go, yes. She says, why are you going to do it again? I said, grandma, I don't remember that water baptism. Oh, I see the pictures. And all my uncles 
I see the kegs of beer. Everybody was drunk. And I don't remember grandma. She didn't know what to say. So then she says, okay, well, how long do you stay underwater? I said, Grandma, depends how much of a sinner you are. In Spanish, she says, then they're going to kill me. That's exactly what she said. Praise the Lord. My grandmother received Christ uh, through my dad before her death. Praise God. Uh, let's finish this off now. He wants to know about water baptism. Look at verse 37. Then Philip said, and he goes back to salvation. If you believe with all your heart, you may, he says, and he answered and said, I believe, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. In Romans chapter 10, verses 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13, Paul gives you the whole scenario there. Those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. No preacher once said salvation is the distance from your heart to your mouth. I confess who Christ is. Prior to confessing who Christ is, the conviction of the Holy Spirit's there. I know that I am a sinner. You know that you're a sinner. And so I ask the Lord, cleanse my mind, cleanse my heart. Lord, empty me of myself. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And so confession is made with the mouth. Confession is made with the mouth. I've been to the ICU unit many times, and they're there. Their eyes are open. They can't talk. I said, listen, I've come here to pray for you. I've come to pray with you. If you'd like to receive Christ, grab my hand and squeeze it, and they do. I've never had anybody say, I'm not going to squeeze it. They do. I says, I want you to repeat this prayer under your breath after me. Jesus, forgive me. For I am a sinner. And we go through the whole sinner's prayer, real simple. And I say, Amen. You'll see the tear coming off the side. They're on their deathbed many times. They have nowhere else to turn. And I've shared it many times. You're in a hospital, you're in your bed, you're looking up. You're looking up. Either you're going to receive Christ or you're going to reject Christ. And I've seen them reject Christ. I've also been in the, the room when the people say, uh, they're here. I go, who's here? I don't know, but I don't like them. I says, they're demons. They're here to carry you away. It's real, people. It's real. And I've seen people come to saving grace. Verse 38, and so he commanded the chariot to stand still. He's made that commitment. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. He baptized him. Back in Mark chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says that Jesus went straightway into the water, and he came straightway out of the water. The word straightway is only found in the King James. Straightway into the water, straightway out of the water. And, and it's a beautiful picture. And most of our people that go with us to Israel, they've been baptized here in the States. But when we get to Israel, we always make a stop at the Jordan. And uh, we put the announcement out. And we have a bus load. And there's several pastors there. And we go into the Jordan. We baptize them. 
And if you're going to go with us on our next trip and you're going to want to be water baptized, let me warn you ahead of time. Please wear shower shoes because the catfish like to come and nibble on your toes. And the first time that happened, you go, whoa, what is that? And then the whiskers hit your legs and all that. It's wonderful. I love it now. I love it. And, oh, gosh, every time we go in November, it's freezing. It's freezing. Let's finish. Look at verse 39 now. Now, when they came upon the water, the Spirit of the Lord uh, caught Philip away. There he goes again. And so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. The whole purpose of Philip was to go and evangelize one man. And obviously he went back to Ethiopia. Obviously he went back and proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And obviously you see Ethiopians today in Israel. God's word, Isaiah says, will not come back void. Verse 40, the conclusion. But Philip was found at Azotos and passing through, he preached in all the cities until he came to Caesarea. God took him. And moved him 60 miles. 60 miles. How did he do it? When you get to heaven, you can ask the Lord. But I believe he just picked him up and he was there. He was there. You know, we go to El Paso, it's 60 miles. You go to Deming, it's 60 miles. And it takes an hour no matter what. There's always construction. But I said, Lord, Philip just went. Come on. I got to be there right now. One day we will experience, it's called the rapture of the church. And so next week we see the salvation of one called Solitarsus that was a tyrant uh, to the church. And so let's stand, we'll end with a word of prayer as we've come to the conclusion of the book of Acts in chapter 8. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God as it will not come back void. And we thank you, Lord, for the word that pricks the hearts of man. And so this morning, with every eye closed, every head bowed, maybe you're here and you still haven't made a commitment to Christ. Today is the day of your salvation. Or maybe you're here and you're in a backslidden condition. You're a prodigal son or you're a prodigal daughter. Uh, today is the day to come back to the sheepfold. It's the day to come back to your your prophet, to come back to your shepherd, to come back to your pastor. I'm talking about Christ. I'm talking about the Messiah. So I'm going to leave it in your hands. You need to make that commitment. I made the commitment. If you haven't, you need to come up after the service. Pastor Cliff is up here in the front. Pastor Jay is in the back. We'll have Angie over here. She's willing to pray for any of the women. And it's a simple sinner's prayer. You believe in your heart and you receive Christ. If you're backslidden, let them know. I just need to get back to Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Don't leave here without Jesus. Let's pray for the offerings. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege, the honor. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God that will not come back void. And so, Father, I ask that you would... Prepare the hearts this morning. Bless the offerings as you've given to us. We give back a portion. 
And it's in Jesus' precious name uh, we pray. Amen.